We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, welcome back. It's the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. John Ellis, Billy Marshall. We're joined by a very special guest today. You uh, read his work on the Touchdown Wire. You've read his work everywhere, actually. He's one of the best uh, Twitter follows. His name is Mark Schofield. He's our good friend. Mark, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, John. Billy, great to be with you guys. Excited to be here. Uh, excited to talk some quarterbacks and all that fun, good stuff. Um, just looking forward to this one. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one since you gave me the invite, and I'm ready to go. We're thrilled to have you, man. A little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, a lot of folks follow you, know your story, but uh, tell us how you got into this business and, and what is your passion for football? Well, uh, honestly, I got into doing this because I discovered, unfortunately, far too late in my prior life that I was a very bad lawyer. After 10 <laughs> years of practice in law, I just wasn't very good at it um, for a variety of reasons. Um you know, the, the way my silly brain works, um, the way my silly brain doesn't work at times, it just wasn't the best fit for me. And I tried different firms, tried different types of jobs, and it just it just wasn't the right fit. And there was one thing throughout my time as a lawyer that I like to do in my free time, which was write about football. You know, it was one that I actually enjoyed doing. And it wasn't necessarily that I was good at it. It was just a nice little distraction. And so when I decided to take a step away from practice of law, I figured, you know, I've got some time on my hands. I'm going to be looking for potentially a new law job. I'll give writing a shot. So I ended up hooking up with some people. We started a website called Inside the Pylon, uh, which is still out there. It's just kind of, you know, floating around a little bit. Started right about the game, focused mostly on offense and quarterbacks because in addition to being a bad lawyer, I was a bad quarterback in college. And so <laughs> that gave me a lot of time to watch the game from the sidelines. 
And so that was what my focus was. Um, people liked the work that we were doing. Um, so it opened up doors, opened up opportunities like writing over a bleacher report with Doug Farrar and then eventually rejoining Doug now at USA Today, writing for other SB Nation websites, doing some podcasts and stuff. And yeah, it's been a it's been a fun little journey and it certainly beats putting on a suit and trying to be a lawyer um, every single day. So it, it's been a fun ride. I'm lucky enough that it's led me to places like being here with you two gentlemen on this fine afternoon. Well, thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's get down to it. I know you cover the Patriots. You have been for the past few years. What are your immediate thoughts about, you know, our former quarterback Cam Newton joining? I know it's for the league minimum. It's a pretty good bargain as far as I'm concerned. But from a football perspective, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, but I'm I'm ecstatic in a sense to see how this plays out because, you know, as somebody that has been following the Patriots first as a fan and now as somebody that covers them, um, I've been very intrigued by the idea of a post-Tom Brady world, what that's going to look like, how this team might change philosophically, conceptually, schematically on the offensive side of the ball. And to do that, potentially doing that with a quarterback with Cam Newton's skill set, I think is fascinating. You know, there are so many components to the t- today's NFL and what you can do with athleticism at the quarterback position, which is something the Patriots haven't had in years, in decades. I mean, unless you want to look at, you know, the random game here and there, a lot of people have pointed to that Thursday nighter where Jacoby Brissett had to start when Brady was suspended and Garoppolo was injured and they became almost a inverted veer team on a short week. Other than that, they haven't really needed to reinvent themselves too much with Brady for the past 20 years. And so I'm very excited to see how that aspect of it plays out. You know, in a similar vein, I'm very excited to see Cam Newton again. Cam's a quarterback that I've always loved to watch. You know, when I've ever had some spare time, he's somebody that, you know, I would like to just, you know, watch film of and enjoy watching him. I remember back at Inside the Pylon, we had something called the glossary where we defined football terms. And I wrote a piece about torque in the throwing motion, and Cam Newton was the example. I don't think there's a better example of a quarterback that can generate torque in his upper body and his throwing motion than Cam Newton. I've compared it at times to Tiger Woods back when he was fully healthy with his drives and the violent torque in his upper body rotation. I've loved watching Cam Newton. So the idea now that the New England Patriots will be able to sort of put together an offense that has them playing 11 on 11 again, given what Cam Newton can do with his legs and his athleticism, but yet what he can still do from the pocket as a pocket passer. I'm fascinated about it. Now, we all sort of wonder what Cam Newton we're going to get. Are we going to get a guy close to 2015? Maybe not. That's an MVP type season, but maybe 2017. That would be fantastic. But in the years since he's had the shoulder injuries, the foot injuries, you know, we hope to see him healthy because if so, he can be a dynamic quarterback with the potential to be a guy that can maybe on a given week be one of the better quarterbacks in the game. You know, it's just sort of a wait and see when it comes to the injuries. But as far as the opportunity to see him in a New England uniform and a New England offense, I'm overjoyed to see how this unfolds. Great stuff. Mark Schofield, Touchdown Wire, and many more things he's doing out there, joins us now. Hey, uh, read your article on the uh, TD Wire yesterday, the overthinking Cam Newton and New England piece, which uh, I will repost for our viewers and listeners here. It was a fantastic uh, dive into what we have, uh, Billy and I have <laughs> been chronicling for a while now, that you know, fans, uh, media types who are looking for the hot takes in general, some by design, tend to really overcook these takes. And uh, I was glad to see, you know, one paragraph in particular talking about Belichick. Does one really think that Belichick, he of the multiple Super Bowl titles, will have a problem if Newton scores a touchdown and dabs or the Superman celebration? 
or hands the football to a child in the stands. And it goes on from there. It was a great article, but I just want to get your thoughts on that. You know, we can avoid the hot takes because we know a lot of that's just there for, you know, ratings and whatnot. From a uh, standpoint of how the two of those guys will work together, as well as Josh McDaniels, uh, do you see them with the ability to incorporate some of the stuff they did in Carolina that, you know, maybe the six, seven carries a game that gave Carolina tremendous value that gets overlooked quite often? Or do you think they'll dial that back a little bit? No, I think provided that Cam is healthy, they're going to find a way to involve him as an offensive weapon more than just as a quarterback making throws from the pocket. And, you know, one of the designs that I've thought about a lot in the past, say, four or five days is something that anybody that's watched the Patriots game in the past, you know, two or three seasons has seen. You know, they break the huddle. Maybe it's a short yarded situation. Maybe it's a red zone situation. They're in empty Typically with James White as the player that does this flexed out wide, widest player to one side of the field or the other, usually to the left. And they use what's called in their playbook that home shift, which is the H-back moving back to the backfield. Now, the Patriots started using this as they do so often, you know, under Josh McDaniels and for Tom Brady as a pre-snap indicator to give him a clue as to whether it's zone or man coverage. You know, it's something that they do often in this offense to give Tom Brady, to give whatever quarterback is under center, that pre-snap indicator from the defense. Now, they built upon that their sort of fly sweep game, which is now instead of just coming back into the backfield to give them the quarterback a look, they hand him the ball off or they tap pass it to him on that sort of wide zone, outside zone fly sweep. That is something they've relied upon a lot, short yardage, red zone situations. If you're, say, Matt Milano of the Buffalo Bills, their inside linebacker, and you see James White coming back into the backfield, you see the ball snap, you see Tom Brady put it in his belly, you're not worried at all that 12 is going to keep it. You're not worried at all that suddenly Shaq Mason's going to be climbing to the second level and leading the way for Tom Brady. You can just start racing to the edge. You don't have to worry about that. That's a different story when Cam Newton's in the backfield. Like You have to account for that potential, which then by exchange opens up that edge run for James White. You know, now they will be able to sort of play 11 on 11 again. Because if you were a defense going up against Tom Brady, you'll let him run the football. You know, if he wants to try to run it for 17 yards, if he wants to try to run it 10, 15 times a game, let him. You know, you'll win that game. You know, it's different with Cam Newton. And so I think they will certainly find a way to incorporate his athleticism as an element to their offense, if for no other reason than to open things up for the running game, for the running backs in a sense, and to open things up for the passing game. And there's another way to look at this. You know, Charles McDonald, who does such great work for the Daily News up in New York, he had a piece out today, July 3rd on Friday, where he talked to Quincy Avery, who's done some quarterback coaching and instruction. He's coached to Sean Watson. And he highlighted something that we saw last year with this Patriots offense, which was defenses would bracket or double-team Julian Edelman. They would put a corner on James White and basically say, all right, who are you going to throw to now? Are you going to throw to Nikhil Harry? Are you going to throw to a bandit Muhammad Sanu? You're certainly not going to have 12 running the ball. They can play single high coverage, drop that extra defender down to the box, and you took everything away from what they wanted to do conceptually. Now, if you do that, you better have an answer for what Cam Newton can do with his legs on third and six. And so it's going to really change what defenses are going to have to try to do against them this season. And so I think they will certainly find a way to incorporate his athleticism into what they do offensively. And defenses are going to have to adjust their game plans for when they head up and face this New England offense. 
Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a lot of what we were envisioning, too, just because there's been a lot of misconceptions about Newton and just how his overall game translated into any system. It's always interesting to read, you know, some, I don't know, the conventional topics, especially right. when you're watching, like, a certain program on a major, you know, mainstream website or whatever. <laughs> yeah, gonna... I know exactly where you're going, Billy. I got so, it. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, John's pushed back on this for years, too, so I don't want to take anything away. But I want to transition now to the Panthers. And, you know, Mark, you've been on football Twitter for a while, and especially draft Twitter. And, you know, kind of how I joined draft Twitter was way back in 2012. And for me, um, I remember watching Teddy Bridgewater, his – kind of breakout game was that game against florida in the sugar bowl in 2012 i want to say it was and that was like the game that really just stuck to me it's like okay this guy might be you know a legit quarterback prospect and i've been following him pretty closely and obviously he dealt with like an unfortunate injury in minnesota that kind of set back his development and you know now the panthers have signed him i was you know john and i have mixed feelings on this decision to sign him but we still feel pretty comfortable that he's getting paid um, like an average, you know, average salary, nothing too crazy. But what are your overall impressions of Teddy Bridgewater watching him from, you know, when he started playing, you know, at a young age at Louisville to, you know, now, you know, at getting starting quarterback salary? Yeah, Bill, he's been sort of a faceted, and I'd say in a sense, test test case and case study, you know, for how the quarterback evaluation process has developed over time. Some of the sort of catchphrases that we still hear about you know, quarterbacks that might be viewed as more athletic guys and it overshadows and overlooks what they can do with their mind. You know, I I think Bridgewater is a quarterback that, you know, especially now, but even when he was at Louisville and he was going through his draft process, I think a lot of people overlooked what he could do with his mind, what he could do in the mental aspects of playing the position. You know, I think where he is now, he's in a sense – Almost, I don't want to say a perfect fit for what we expect this offense to look like, but pretty close to ideal. You know, when he was pressed into action last year, when, you know, when Drew Brees went down with his thumb injury, a lot of people said, look, we're expecting four or five games. You know, maybe they can just go 500 with him. They went 5-0. and And he played smart, careful football, you know, checked the ball down when he needed to, took what the defense was giving him, didn't force throws a ton, which shows you his maturation as a quarterback, but also shows you you know, the wisdom that he plays the position with the intelligence that he brings to the position. And now we're expecting this Panthers offense to look very similar, if not almost identical to what he was running in New Orleans, given Joe Brady's ties to the Saints and given what Joe Burrow was running last year with LSU. Obviously, Joe Brady is going to bring that playbook. It's an offense that's going to be sort of a mesh of air raid west coast concepts quick game stuff with christian mccaffrey obviously you want to get running backs involved in the passing game with some of the receivers dj moore curtis samuel you're going to have some of those quick option type routes that are going to be very similar to what he was running in new orleans very similar to what joe brady had which for joe burrow and then added robbie anderson i think now you have sort of that vertical threat you know which is something that i think teams want to have because otherwise if you're not stressing the defense downfield teams can collapse on everything underneath and take that stuff away and so i think this is a this was a solid move by carolina if you know john and i actually talked about this the other day on my show when he was nice enough to come on if they were making the decision to move in a different direction and move into this type of offense looking around the sort of free agent draft landscape short of getting up to one and drafting joe burrow teddy bridgewater was probably one of the better options to run joe brady's offense and so 
you put this all together, I think it's an ideal marriage of sort of quarterback system, offense, playbook, offensive coordinator. I'm very excited in a sense to see this pan out. I think there's a potential path here where Bridgewater does well enough and shows that he can run this offense and this team maybe overachieves a bit where the idea of tanking for Trevor or folding for Fields or laying down for Lance is taken off the table because you can be a productive offense, an efficient offense with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. Thanks for joining us again. Mark Schofield is our guest today. It's John and Billy, and we are the Roar on the Blue Wire Network here. I got a question to follow up on that with Bridgewater, and then we'll move on to a couple other topics to wrap up here. What I had seen on tape from Teddy last year was a guy who was very disciplined within a structure. So you're talking about a lot of six, seven, even eight-man protections at times. Sean did a good job of giving him some comfort back there. He wasn't asked to spread the field a lot and go vertical on these things. But when he was asked to do that, there's a situation in the game last year where they're at home against Tampa. They're leading by seven. There's a minute 55 in the third quarter. Third and 10, they're backed up at their own nine. He makes a beautiful throw on the corner route to Thomas uh, from the opposite hash. And those are little things I noticed on tape that in four or five of these games, you know, he wasn't lighting the world up with his arm. But when he was asked to make the key throws, what impressed me was his ability to look through his reads in the pocket, to stay patient to not tuck and run and, and play out of structure. That's what I like from Teddy. I'm curious to get your thoughts, though, on the offense in general, the Joe Brady influence in terms of the Sean Payton experience. Do you feel they will use a few of these concepts Sean uses in the past, 21-22 personnel, beefing it up? You know, Payton loves to run the ball. That's something not a lot of folks talk about. His best seasons as a coach, even 2009, they were more of a running team than a throwing team. Do you see Brady getting to that, or do you see this being maybe a 70% passing team? You know, I, I think, and it's often an overused phrase, that idea of balance from an offense, right? And when people think, when people hear that phrase, they often think, oh, they're going to want to try to have a 50-50 split run-pass ratio. I think the new balance in today's NFL is a blend between trying to be the 12-21 type personnel team that we're seeing franchises like the San Francisco 49ers, for example, who ran more 21 personnel than anyone in the league last year, but they threw it so effectively out of 21 because of the, the fact they were thrown against base defenses. We're seeing play action pass and become a cheat code for so many teams. You know, Minnesota, for example, with what they're doing, often out of 12 personnel with Kyle Rudolph and Herb Smith. And now you're going to see Kevin Stefanski bring that type of offense to Cleveland. They go out and they get Austin Hooper to pair him with David Njoku. They might be a 12 personnel team. So I think you're going to want to see some of that. You know, you're going to want to see some 12 or even some 21 personnel looks. Look, you've got Armada the fullback, so you could still have some 21 personnel packages put together. You could do some, you know, if you're comfortable maybe with a sort of pseudo 12 personnel group with Armar and uh, Ian Thomas, you could do something like that or just keep it more of a 21 look. You're going to want to do some of those designs, those personnel packages where you're using play action and throwing out of base, throwing out of heavier looks to throw against base defenses. But let's not forget Joe Brady's coming from a, a season where LSU last year, I think they ran five man protection on something like 70 or almost 80% of their passing plays. You know, they did not ask their running backs and tight ends to do much in terms of staying in and helping with pass protection. They were a five-man spread it out, throw it out of, you know, five-man protections. They're going to want to do some of that as well. And so I think that's the, the balance that they'll be looking for, trying to 
you know, show some run game stuff, but really as a way to set up the throw it out of 12 and 21. But I think they're also going to want to be that sort of five-man protection team, spread it out a bit, you know, get those favorable matchups. You know, let's not forget, this is a matchup-based league. You know, when you have Christian McCaffrey and you have the possibility to get him isolated on safeties or maybe even linebackers at times, especially if you're coming out, you're lined up in 12 or 21, and then you put him out wide. Well, what do you do as a defense to respond to that? You know, they're going to want to take advantage of those opportunities. And so they're going to find ways to get themselves some favorable matchups and then exploit them. Throwing out a 12 and 21 is one. Doing some five-man protection stuff is another way. This is a matchup-based league, and they've got some players to create favorable matchups with. And I want to speak a little more on the skill talent and how you can see. I know you kind of mentioned it just now, but at LSU, I mean, obviously they had such an advantage with their skill talent compared to their peers in the SEC. I guess Alabama is the other only other team that comes to mind. But what did they do schematically that that you think could be transferred over into the NFL? Because personally, I don't see Joe Brady, you know, you know, implementing all these five-man protections like he's going to do in the NFL. That's just my opinion, uh, especially Carolina's offensive line is, you know, it, it's better, but it's still not at the level where you can implement that type of uh, scheme on a consistent basis. So what do you see as far as Brady's transition into the NFL at a coordinating level? Yeah, and I, I think you're right, given the concerns about the offensive line. I certainly don't think they're going to be going five-man 70 or 80% of the time. You know, I, I think they're going to have to do more than just that. I think from a conceptual basis, one of the things that stood out studying Burrow last year and studying this LSU offense was the number of outs he gave the quarterback on a given play. And it certainly helps when you had somebody with the pocket presence Joe Burrow had with the ability to extend plays. But there were so many layered designs to that offense where, you know, you've got multi-level reads to both sides of the field. You've got an answer for the blitz. You've got an answer for zone. You've got an answer for man. You know, and obviously these are things that Joe Brady himself picked up from learning under Sean Payton. You know, and I, I'm a firm believer in as many outs as you can give your quarterback on a given play, the more successful he is going to be in the long run because – you know, if you look back and say some old Steve Spurrier playbooks, you know, you'll see some plays like Mills, for example, which, you know, post dig in that playbook, there was a notation cover two, get out of it. Like we just don't have an answer for cover two. Nowadays, you know, that's a rarity. You, you want to have an answer for everything, you know, on a given design, even if it's just throwing your hot read. You know, you want to have that in there for the quarterback. And that's one of the things that Brady's offense has done so well. And so when now Bridgewater is stepping in. And maybe, like you, you alluded to, you don't have the sort of talent that you could just win one-on-one matchups all over the place, but you have enough where you, if you have a particular look on a play, you know, okay, I'm getting quarters, I can throw here, you know, I'm getting buzz, I can throw here, you know, that's certainly going to help Teddy Bridgewater, and Brady's offense has been able to do that, you know, in what we've been able to study from it last year at LSU, so even though they won't have athletes that can win one-on-one across the board, they'll have answers for what defense is going to show them, and they'll be able to give Bridgewater best looks based off of that. Uh, That's great stuff right there. Mark Schofield, Touchdown Wire, and many more things out there joining us as our guest. Uh, Last question here for you, Mark. Breakout player for the Carolina Panthers in 2020, if there is a season, who do you got? I mean, there's a number of ways you can go with this. I mean, we've been talking offense a lot. Um, I would throw into this mix Jeremy Chen, um, mostly for 
the, I loved him, you know, watching him at the Senior Bowl. He really sort of flashed at the Senior Bowl last year. And I think in today's NFL, you want to have that sort of hybrid type player at the third level at the safety spot, you know, that you can match up against a tight end with on first down, that you can have play as a half field or even a single high safety on second down. And maybe you can bring down onto the box and blitz off the edge on third and long. I mean, and he's a player that can do that. He showed the athleticism, the football intelligence, and the ability to dominate at his level of football that you want to see from a player coming from that level of football. And so I think Jeremy Chin is certainly somebody to keep in mind. We're seeing more and more teams go to the sort of hybrid type safety look. Derwin James comes to mind. Jamal Adams comes to mind. New England Patriots drafted the Division II safety. Um, Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan sort of that same type of hybrid player, that's what you might need in today's NFL, given all the things we've talked about, given teams that will be in 12 personnel looks, then 21 personnel looks, and then 11 personnel looks all in the same series, maybe even the same three, you know, three sequential plays. And so you have to have a safety that can sort of hold up to that. So I think Chin's a player to watch. Offensively, again, I'm intrigued by the idea of Robbie Anderson. You know, Anderson is, I think, somebody that is underrated in today's NFL. I think he's a tremendous vertical threat. We anticipate this being more of a West Coast air raid type of offense with more horizontal attacks to it than vertical shot plays. But you need that in the offense. And he's probably the guy they will look to in those moments. And so on the offensive side of the ball player, I'm very excited to watch is Robbie Anderson in this offense because I think Joe Brady is going to scheme some stuff for him, some shot plays. A lot of offenses, a lot of playbooks have it. You know, that shot play section where they say up front, we want to take four or five of these a game. You have to do this. You know, Brady's going to want to take those shot plays. Matt Rule's going to want to see those shot plays executed. And Teddy Bridgewater has the arm and the touch in the downfield passing game to hit on those. And so you put those together. That's why I'm watching Robbie Anderson on the offensive side of the ball. Beautiful. Mark it down, Panthers fans. Robbie Anderson, Jeremy Chin, breakout players, according to our good friend, Mark Schofield. Mark, we appreciate you making time for us today. Give us your plugs. Anything you want to plug, this is your time, baby. Well, guys, thanks so much for having me. This is a blast. Uh, easiest way is to follow me on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. I keep it easy for you. But like you said, Touchdown Wire, a couple different SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, where I co-host the QB Factory with Michael Kist and Pat's Pulpit, where I have my show, the Sco Show. But easiest way is, as I said, on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. We're going to do this again real soon with Mark, and maybe we'll touch on the defense a little more next time and some other stuff. But, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on Blue Wire, and we'll see you next time. Sounds great, guys. Thanks so much. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.